Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone. I hope you're having an awesome day. I am still battling a little bit with my re-entry to, in quotes, normal life. (laughs) Um, After my trip to Costa Rica a couple weeks ago, you can hear my voice is still a little hazy. I'm finally getting better at least, but uh, if you haven't listened to my last episode, it is a good one. I called it what I didn't know I needed, and while I was having a therapy session with my mic, I cried a few times by myself in my little recording room, and I laughed a bunch and generally spilled my guts, and you see... That is how I feel about this podcast. That's what it's all about to me. It's about being exactly who you are, open, vulnerable, real. And when we can do that, we form bonds that are just, it's tough to match those kinds of bonds with other people, even though you guys are listening to me and uh, I don't get to see and meet all of you in person. I feel it <laughs> through the airwaves. And when I do see you in person, in fact, I ran into someone this morning and and we like hugged when we met. And she said, I've been listening to you. I, I feel like we're already connected and I feel the same way back. So uh, I think, you know, I bring this up because I think you're going to feel that way about today's guest, uh, Diane Barbarian is, I think, truly a gift in this world through her spirit and the way she impacts every single person she comes in touch with. But before we get started, I want to share some info about my really incredible sponsor, Health IQ. You know this podcast is so close to my heart and I truly can't do it without support. So I'm very proud and grateful to share the word about Health IQ, a company that I believe in. Uh, Health IQ is a life insurance agency that helps health conscious people get lower rates on life insurance. So all you need to do is go online to healthiq.com backslash RTW and You can take their online health quiz, and you can also submit actual data like um, Strava or RunKeep or other fitness apps to prove that you're active because they use this information. So when I talked to the agent, she looked up my race results for me on Athlinks, and it's a good thing I did a triathlon last year because I had a result. (laughs) And that, you know, gives them some ammo to use to to go to bat for you. Because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, a 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. And because of this, Health IQ can save customers up to 33% on life insurance. You are all, you know this. This is partly why you're active, to stay healthy. 
Um, so if you're interested in life insurance, please go to healthiq.com backslash RTW, and that stands for Run This World. And if you talk to someone, you don't go through that link, just make sure you tell them RTW so they know I sent you. All right, so speaking of longevity, let me introduce Diane Barbarian. She is legally blind. She's a survivor of stage four tongue, throat, and neck cancer. She is now an adaptive athlete competing in endurance events. She's been inducted into at least one Hall of Fame for her work as a coach, or she may prefer guide or mentor. And Diane is one of the most positive people you'll ever meet. I thought I was positive, and Diane blows me away. At the beginning of the interview, I ask her, did you ever think you'd be called on to share your life to inspire others? And she replied something like, truth? Yes. My mom always told me I was special, so I believed it. I mean, she's totally awesome. You're going to love her. Um, Diane is one of those extraordinary people who you think you are helping when you guide her in a race, or supported her during her cancer treatments, only to realize after it's over that she's the one who helped you so much more than you ever realized possible. In my opinion, that's a sign of someone who transcends. She emits love, acceptance, and maybe no better way to say it than just possibility. She has this really cool tattoo And she told me after we wrapped our interview that she wished she had told me the story, so we'll have to get that out to you. It says, she believed she could, so she did. I love her personable, easygoing way. I've not met her in person, but she feels like an old friend. Let's see if you feel the same way after listening to her. All right, let's welcome Diane. Oh, gosh, so I'm so excited to be having this <laughs> wonderful conversation with you today, Diane. Thanks for joining me. I'm like me. grinning. I'm grinning like a little kid. Oh. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so like, did you ever imagine that you'd be in a position in your life where you're like doing podcast interviews to share your story and your experience? Honest? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you what. Well, I, I go back to telling stories like when I was a little girl, my mother used to tell me that I was special. So I grew up thinking that I was all that, all that. And I just always knew I was out here to do good stuff. Most of it is leadership and mentorship. So, yeah, yeah, I should be here. Um, <laughs> you totally should, and I love it. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't connected sooner. Damn it. Yeah. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. You know, I, um, I've been referred to as I'm very humble. Um, I've done great things and expected no attention. Um, I recently have been in the Hall of Fame for uh, a school that I went to, and the joke is I think they thought I was going to die last year. So I, I, there was a scholarship in my name. I finally made it to the Hall of Fame. And I went, ah, joke's on you. I'm still alive and I'm still doing stuff. So get ready to, you know, um, give me more accolades. I'm ready now. I mean, um, Diane 2.0. <laughs> well, actually. Like 6.0. Oh, my gosh. 6.0. That is true. You know, I'm really excited today to sort of 
talk through all these incredible phases and stages of life and yes. the ups, downs, yes. and all the things you've learned. Um, maybe we just start with what you just mentioned, which was yes, people thought I you were going to be dead a year ago. Why? Yes. Because I had stage four cancer. Um, it took 10 months to figure out that I even had it. So I kept working, racing, traveling, um, questioning, like, I think there's something wrong. But anyway, so I was diagnosed November 3rd, 2016 with stage four, uh, tongue, throat, neck, and obviously stage four. So it had spread to, uh, lymph nodes. And I said, how did this happen? Like, and of course we were in some kind of detection mode, but until a mass actually grew, um, there were no visible signs that what was happening was I was getting cancer, uh, so, and it was spreading. So wait a minute. So how old were you at that point? I guess I was 59. I'm 60 now. Okay. I'm newly into the 6.0. I turned 60. <laughs> really uh, 6 I I mean, mean, I'm 6.0. I am. I'm 6.0. This yeah, was I'm not the new that, version. This I'm is, the new version. And you were in, this was less than a year and a half ago. So Yes, ma'am. You know, so you start feeling like something's not right, okay? Not You're an right. athlete. You're super yep. in tune with your body. You know, we're going right. to get into all that. But, like, yep. what wasn't right? And what made you hit the point where you were like, it's not right enough <laughs> that I have yeah. to go talk to a doctor about it? So uh, in January uh, 2015, and, you know, again, because we're athletes, we know all these landmarks, where I was. Um, I went to Jacksonville to run the marathon to qualify for Boston. And I get there, and of course, I, I, I'm visually impaired, so I race with a guide, and a good friend of mine. Uh, so I said to her, I've had this weird sensation on my tongue. It hasn't stopped me from eating, blah, blah, blah. Toothbrush, no matter what I put in my mouth, I get this weird sensation. I just wait a second, and then it goes away. Hmm. Okay, so I kept that, and I kept going on. Then I started doing this <coughs> weird throat clearing thing and I'm like I don't know what that is but I keep doing that and <laughs> and I didn't know why were you like was, annoying yourself with it yes yes <laughs> it was annoying and it was like an unconscious habit it was like my body was like pay attention to me um uh, then uh, so here's the other thing I I'm also um a physical therapist assistant so I work in a nursing home and I'm very much aware of uh, the history of cancer, and I call it the history because we look in everybody's chart and everybody has a history of cancer in a nursing home. Uh, they're still alive, but they have a history of it. So I always kept that in mind, which may be why I was kind of positive, like, oh, it'll just be my history. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I love I know, it. I know. I'm a, I'm a little bit crazy. But anyway, I, I would start to have, I had chronic ear pain. I thought it was a toothache. Physical therapy Diane was thinking, oh, this is referred pain. It's going down my jaw, blah, blah, blah. Um, primary care doctor kept saying, oh, you know, stop swimming. Oh, well, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, earplugs. Okay, did earplugs. Still had ear pain. Still had that weird sensation. Um, so those symptoms continued. Uh, I was also losing weight despite the fact that I eat pizza every week and you know I do whatever I want I'm not uh, I mean I'm nutritionally sound but 
Um, anyway, I shouldn't have been losing weight, especially as a uh, 50-something female. You don't lose weight. People in the nursing home lose weight when they're dying. And I kept saying to my doctor, why am I losing weight? Well, you know, you're working out hard, all the reasons. Here, you should take antibiotics. I'm like, no, I don't think I want to do that. Then I finally agreed to it and had an allergic reaction. And they said, well, why didn't you tell us you were allergic? I said, I've never taken antibiotics. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't know. I'm this healthy. And so it ends up I go to a ear, nose, and throat doctor because I, I just it's just not right. And he says to me, oh, you have a tonsil. And I said, no, I had them out when I was 11 years old. Well, you know, there's a small population that has tissue regeneration. I said, okay, I did my research. Okay, well, is that tissue the reason why I have these symptoms? Oh, I don't think so. I'm like, well, if you see something, let's biopsy it. Well, not to bash the profession that I'm in, but the medical profession is not, they have a protocol. And just taking a biopsy because your patient wants one is not in the protocol. So, again, you know, you want something for the symptoms? No, I want to know why I have them. So, kept racing, training. I did go to Boston. Um, I, I've done some cool things that year. And um, so, I guess the final straw was uh, October. I went to my favorite city to race in is Boston, of course. Who's, who, what runner doesn't? So, I'm there to do the half marathon. And the next day, I always run uh, the 10K, the uh, Tufts Women's 10K. So my two races, and then I'm going to fly home. Well, you know, I did the half marathon, and that night I couldn't sleep because my head hurt so bad. I was like laying in bed holding my head. And I'm like, well, I'll just get through this 10K. I'll just have to go as fast as I can. Well, I'm not really known for being the fastest of runners. I'm just like this slow, steady. Well, I said to the guide who was working with me, I said, hey, listen, um, <clears throat> you know, doing all that, and I have a bottle of water, and I'm like, I'm really having trouble breathing, so let's get through this 10K as fast as we can because I think I'm dying. And she was like, what? And I'm like, I swear I'm dying. Like, I'm so sick today that I must be I must be dying. And, I mean, I laugh about it now, but, gosh, I really was dying. Oh, my and, God. Yeah, ran this 10K, uh, took a picture of my watch, sent it to my coach, and went, oh, my gosh, this is my watch. I ran this 10K because I was literally running for my life. Uh, couldn't breathe, um, and I didn't notice um, that I had a big lump on my neck, and nobody else did either. Um, so, of course, I flew home pretty much in tears, uh, three-hour flight, just about crying, and called the ear, nose, and throat doctor and said, you have to see me. Something's not right. I mean, so I go in, and he, of course, says to me, well, when did you get that lump on your neck? And I, and I said, oh, well, that's, that's muscle. That's because my head hurt. I'm, that's muscle guarding you know, talking like a therapist, and, 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 and he says, uh, I think we're going to go get that check, so until I actually had a mass, and so that was, uh, I think, a four or five millimeter mass in my neck, um, which could not be removed because it was too close to my carotid artery, 
So I'm kind of like going, well, I'm kind of like sunk here, but I don't know what how we're going to treat this. So basically, we I went to the hospital and uh, we did the biopsy and <clears throat> found out that, yeah, it was stage four and where it all was. But the mask could not be removed. Um, so it was just kind of like, okay, very aggressive, seven weeks of radiation, and uh, every week I had chemo. Oh, my from, gosh. Um, yeah, uh, so I finished last year, January 24th, um, totally missed Thanksgiving, Christmas, my birthday, and um, so by, oh, it gets worse, because, you know, the seven weeks, I kind of flew by, like, I, I you know, I would do, like, weekly video chats on Facebook, and sometimes I was crying, sometimes I could hardly talk. Um, and I was explaining, like, the whole process, what I was feeling and what I went through. And I um, kind of went through it, describing it like, <coughs> excuse me, getting ready for an Ironman. And I had seven weeks to get ready for this event. It's exactly it, the, that's the key training window. A- absolutely. So I had it, I had calendars marked, and we did countdowns, and... <laughs> You're you know. such an athlete, even through yes. your cancer treatment. You are like Absolutely. the cancer athlete. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. I mean, I, I've always said, I, I think that the reason why I got through it is because of my endurance background. I understood how to go from week one to week seven, you know. Um, so, you know, I get done, and, of course, I think that, okay, I'm done, Let's go. I've been walking, you know, as much as I could. I'd go out and try and walk. And um, April comes along, and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to feel better. I keep trying to run, but it's not happening. I mean, I'm still uh, very weak, and I haven't gone back to work yet. And you'll like this triathlon, uh, yet another fun thing. (coughs) One of the things that I've loved uh, over the years of participating since the 80s is Karen Smyers, and I have said over the years, uh, gotta want it, I have a bracelet, I have, you know, I've done all this, gotta want it, because I heard an interview with Karen Smyers, so I've told that story so many times, I thought, nobody has ever heard it, you know, everybody's heard it, but nobody ever really listened to me, and uh, Karen Smyers' neighbor (laughs) actually heard the story, and uh, I went to Boston last year because I did qualify, but I obviously couldn't run. So I did the 5K, and Karen Smyers was my guide. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my gosh. For anyone listening, Karen Smyers yeah. is a legend <laughs> in the sport of triathlon. She's the only athlete that I know of who in the mm-hmm. same year won the Hawaii Ironman and the ITU Short Course World Championships, and they were five weeks apart. It was the year right. that um, I met Tim on an airplane, so it was yep. 1995. See? She, yeah, she's a freaking rock star. I yeah. love that. So you guys are besties now. Can you see? Oh, yeah. See? Yeah. Cancer brings yeah. you together in the end. And, Karen and also, what, she's a absolutely. survivor. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we talked about. So, wow. you know, we did some uh, email communication, and, you know, people who knew me talked to her. And, you know, she sa- I said, well, I don't know if I'll be able to run. And she said, then it'll just give us more time to get to know each other. I mean, that's how oh. classy, as oh. we know. Oh my and I've God. met her before. I, I sent her a picture because I, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and it's the home of St. Anthony's Triathlon. And back
back in the 80s, that was, and it probably still is, the yeah, first yeah. triathlon in April, you know, it's mm-hmm. April, starts. It's kind of like you know, pro kickoff. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Karen and Mike have been here before, and, you know, we have a big community here of uh, triathletes. And I actually met her. And, you know, when you're, and that was in the 90s, I just started racing. And I had this, like, goofy picture of her and I at a banquet, you know, and I still had it. I had, I only had one box of pictures because of my vision. And I went through it and I'm like, darn it, I'm going to find it. And I sent it to her and we were, I I mean, I was in my thirties, you know, we're about, she's a little younger than I am. Um, so there was that goofy picture of us in the nineties. And when I met her in, in April to race, um, we now have matching bracelets. You know, I'm like, I have this bracelet. I made you one too. You know, <laughs> yeah, 59 years old. I'm acting like this little geeky athlete again. And, and that's how I feel. That's why I said I'm Diane 6.0. I'm the new version. It's I mean, just... physically, emotionally, I'm like the new kid on the block. You so, know, yeah. Um, we... There's just yeah, so much here. I, there, there's so much to dig into. Like, um... You know, I'm even going back to the fact that you knew something was wrong and no one would listen to you. Like for anybody out there who's dealing with something where they know something's wrong, like what, how can they break through those barriers? You were in the medical profession and people still weren't listening to you. Well, the one thing, and I've been asked this question, um, what, what, what would I do differently? And I would have had second and third opinions when they told me that that uh, thing in my throat wasn't anything that needed to be biopsied. Um, I should have gone somewhere else, but I didn't. Because you know what? And this is a horrible truth. And I and I, this is what I did. Um, I was busy. I was still working. I was I was getting away with this. Well, we think we got away with it, you know. Um, I and I every time he would say when he did say, um, I can remove that, and then I'll biopsy it but it would have to be removed. I can't just biopsy it. And I would open up my, uh, my phone and I'd go, well, I'm racing until November 12th. So, uh, let's do it November 17th. And Mm. so, yeah, I had scheduled to have it removed November 17th. And that is (laughs) right Right. around the time the shit hit the fan. Yes, it did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I did not obviously race in November um, I missed two more races and that's when he, he, I think he took me serious when I said to him, I, I just canceled flights and two other races in October because I can't do this. Um, I, I, I can't even hold my head up and he had never seen me like, like that. Like uh-huh. usually I'd walk in and he'd have to, once he walked out of the room because I disagreed with him and I was in his face and he left the room and then he knocked and he came back in and he said, um, are you ready? I said, oh, okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that's how I should have known it was not the right doctor for me. I mean, I should have went somewhere else. Yeah, that's, but, a, that's a really good lesson then for people. I think that's really yeah. important. Yeah. You know, and that spreads not just to like serious health issues, but even like therapists and, uh, yes. you know, anybody who, you're, you're freaking CPA, you're going to spend some time with that person on tax time. Yeah. Like, you need to make sure that you're aligned. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But I do take some of the fault. I mean, I, I, I was living the dream, you know, I'm 
I've been on this high of racing uh, for a couple years, and you know, I, I'm considered you know, unofficially, but we all know I'm the oldest uh, visually female still racing. Wow, I did not As know a, that. Yeah, a marathoner, um, and I mean competitively. Uh, and I'm not considered an age grouper because of my vision. So in the uh, grouping of para-athletes, para-triathletes, I race against, when I do compete, uh, all ages. So, as long as you're a, a woman who's visually impaired, I race against you. Well, let's talk about this visual <laughs> impairment because, yeah. you know, people listening are like, well, were you born with no vision or what happened here? No, uh, gosh. We're going backwards I, in time, aren't we? Is this Diane 4.0 now? Where are we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 4.0. Yeah, in my 40s, I started noticing. And again, I said, had I not been so active, would we have noticed that my vision was changing this much? Um, so it came down to, like, trying to sight for a buoy in open water, Um Where's my computer? You know, I know where it is on my on my uh, arrow bars, but where to go after I pick my head up? It was, I, I, I would lose things. And basically what I was losing was my central vision. Um, so I have, uh, I kind of loosely fit into the category of macular degeneration. Um, so they immediately thought, <laughs> you're in your 40s, you know, so this is age related. Uh. I'm like, uh, uh. Okay, so... Just like your vision was getting bad and you were going to need yeah. glasses. Right. Okay. And I, yeah, so we kept, you know, looking at things and I started noticing more, like I'm missing things, like street signs. I'm driving, you know, and and I know that the name of the street, what it says, but I can't find the middle letters because I'm losing central vision. Um, and I, you know... I, I would go to just my regular eye doctor. I wore contacts at the time. And I'd say, something's missing. You know, something's not right. And he'd say, well, not quite sure. Okay, time for a specialist. Um, of course, I picked a specialist, a retina specialist who's a triathlete. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see, it helps yeah. to have someone who understands well, your mentality. And it really did because that was 2006. And I continued to race as an age grouper until 2010. Like and without could, a guide? Without a guide. Okay, so as your vision was starting to go slowly leave you. Yep. Yep. Wow. And, okay. Yep. So we were figuring out, like I would say to him, okay, well, this is the race I'm doing. So I was having um, injections for preventative. It was to slow the progression of the disease, and we still weren't quite sure what disease I had, which is kind of fun. Uh, and I was agreeing to have these injections of, uh, believe it or not, a chemo drug uh, injected into my eyes, and we did it once a month. But what we would plan is when my race was, because what it would do, it would it would kind of boost my vision, and I would get like three good weeks, and then I would have like, oh, now I'm bad again. And then, I, you know, so we would time the injection <laughs> so I could go to a race and, wow. and 
be as safe as I could be. I was going to say have like a superpower advantage or no, just be yeah. as safe as you could just be. Just be safe. I just wanted to be safe, yeah. you know. So, uh, so when yeah. you started to notice, like I'm, I'm even thinking for people listening, if they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. could I be having this? Like what, what did it really feel like? You said you would lose things, you know, was I would there get a blind. Yeah. Yeah. There were like blind spots. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, so you had like little blind spots in your vision and then they just were there yeah. all the time? Then they started to be there more frequently. Got it. <laughs> now they're really there. Now they're really there. So it was Now just, they're really there. So when you say like macular degeneration, you at 2006, you kind of started to realize this. How long did it take until you were, you're offici- are you officially legally blind? I am officially legally blind. Okay. 2011. Wow. And can you see anything? Yes. Yep. Like yes. lights and... Um, I'm dark and light. Okay. Shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, blobs. I call... Everything's a blob to me. Um, <laughs> I have no no depth perception. So, like, I, I could be running and I have no idea if that's a crack in the sidewalk or a stick or a snake. I just always say, if I can't identify it, I can't step on it. Um, wow. And so yeah. if we're around you and you call us blobs, it's not um, an That's insult? That's not an offense. No. <laughs> no. No. And, and, you know, again, the word degeneration. So it's yeah. um, obviously what it is. It's never going to get better. Um, it's a slow progression for me. So here it is, 2018. And I always say that um, the progression has been, thankfully, uh, gradual enough for me to adapt. So mm-hmm. sometimes I don't realize, and and I do now. Uh, just recently, um, I have had more runners say to me, and I still do run by myself here um, at home because I have a path, and and you know I know a lot of people, and and I they now everybody who knows me knows to say, hey Diane, it's Natalie. Hey yeah. Diane, it's Kelly. You know they identify themselves, mm-hmm. so I know. Otherwise, if I bumped into you, it must be somebody who has no idea that I can't see them. Totally. Uh, so I I can see about five feet in front of me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so when you're faced with a fact, okay, so let's just stop for a minute because yeah. I think everybody listening is in their heads going, this is the most positive person I've ever heard. True. Like, were you born with that? Yes. <laughs> You came out that way. Like, yeah. is it a mindset? Do you ever have demons? Like, how do you, tell me how you walk this world. Okay. So I, I truly believe, and I made a note of this, because I've been asked that before. Like, have you always been that way? And so I'm the youngest of five, and I asked my sisters, have I always been this way? And yes, I've always been type A, OCD, very driven, organized, all those words. Um, always had to be the best, good grades, and I believe that it is, I am my mother's child. Uh, my mother also had cancer, believe it or not. She had leukemia. Um, but it wasn't even just that part of her life. My mother raised us, uh, there were three of us at the time, 11, 12, and 13-year-olds, when my dad passed away, he was 45, degree, 45 degrees, uh, 45 years old, died of a heart attack. And my mother um, looked at 11, 12, and 13-year-old, three little girls, and said, I'm not quite sure how we're going to do it, but we'll do it. 
So everything she learned, she taught us, and how to be very independent women. She never remarried. Um, if she dated, she never told us. Um, she was very private about her life. And my sister and I, all my sisters, um, especially the girls, uh, we had a brother, but he passed away at a young age. But the girls in the family all say that uh, she was just such a strong woman. So how could we not be? I mean, if you watch that woman just the way she lived her life, um, that's, so that's who we are. We didn't know any other way to live. Are all of your siblings, um, you know, have a similar mindset and outlook on life? Sadly, no. Got it. So the, so kind of the point is that there are other ways to be, but you somehow inherited yeah. or absorbed yep. the best. Yeah. Well, my sisters do it in a different way. Um, I, I do it all about me, which, again, they said that's the problem, being the youngest in the family. You know, I'm very self-centered, um, but they became mothers and businesswomen, but with that same model that my mom had. Got it. And I applied it towards sport and healthcare. I was a teacher, a coach. Uh, then I went into physical, I'm a physical therapist assistant. So, I mean, I'm still doing everything she did just in a different way and everything my sisters are doing just in a different field you know is it, it's interesting though because I totally relate to the idea of being a self-centered athlete because mm -hmm. you know I was too and my husband yeah. was and I get yeah. that these are like personal pursuits you're out there pushing your body and especially in a sport that's not a team sport per se yeah um but so much of what you've done in your life has not been self-centered because no. being a coach and a teacher and, right. and a mentor and helping people become mentors, you know, that's very selfless, yep. right? Yes. Yep. That's the other side of me. Wow. But you're but, two sided. But, but me, I'm two sided. Yeah. <laughs> Many versions and two sided all the way. Oh through. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I, and, and even as a coach, um, you know, I was very driven, and, I, you know, again, I just, the Hall of Fame, um, I just, you know, was a part of, I went back to the high school that I went to, and, and the, not a joke, but they, I was well known in the city of Philadelphia as a coach and a teacher, so when uh, the high school decided, again, this was the 80s, so it's like the first time they had a girls soccer team, it was 1984, and I get a phone call. And they said, you know, basically, you want the job. And I'm like, to build a program? Absolutely. So, you know, very driven. So, and it still carried on, you know, again, the legacy of who I am. Um, so, I guess last, yeah, last year, uh, last April, I saw a thing where people were talking about putting me in the Hall of Fame. And I said, no, that was a team I, it's a program. Uh, I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame unless you put all the players in the Hall of Fame with me. And so they did. Oh, my gosh. I love that. So they did. Oh, what a great example for how right. we should live our lives and appreciate, you know, the fact that we don't do anything alone. No. <sighs> I didn't go through cancer alone. I was. I did not grow up to be this way alone. I had, you know, and I and I always talk about... People always, you know, they call me coach. And I'm like, I'm really more of a mentor. 
um, I kind of always walk. My mom used to say, even I did play team sports when I was younger. But what's the that, difference? What's the difference? Um, I lead by example. Mm. I'm not. I'm not as wordy. You know, my my coaching has always been, or just just my daily life. Meant I mentor. Uh, when I go to work every day, I, I'm obviously 60. I've been in the profession for 28 years. I like to make sure that whether they're watching me or not, I want the new grads to go, I'm going to be like her. Or I'm going to, I want to be that therapist. Um, and I'm that way as an athlete. When I came into being, uh, you know, a para-triathlete, um, I realized that I was the oldest one. And I felt very um, conscious of, of what my actions were and how I spoke. And because um, I wanted them to see that they could still be in this sport for 40 more years. But I wanted them to be, I wanted to be the role model. I, I should just say that. I want yeah. to be the role model. Um, I used to use words, I, I was very self-conscious about being visually impaired, and I, I would say, I don't want to be the poster child for vision impairments, because I would get a lot of attention. And I'd say, no, I don't want to be the poster child. I want to be the role model. I want to be the, a spokesperson. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I want to be what's right about us, not the negative, you right. know? Right. Oh, I love that. So let's just take this whole, like, you know, positive way that you walk the world and apply it to the fact that you finally discovered in your 40s that at some point you would be blind. You don't yep. know when and it's going to go slow and whatever. Yep. And I mean, did any fears or, or negative thoughts come <laughs> with that realization? Sure. Sure. And how, um, you know, how do you keep going on knowing things are going to change someday? I think it's because, well, I mean, change is inevitable, whether it's aging or illness or, and I, I just think they're bumps in the road. Um, that's how I look at it. I don't know. Maybe that's what makes me different than everybody else. I mean, I do know, and I knew it as a child. I was not like everybody else. I'm just different. I, and, you know, as you get older, I embrace being able to say it. I'm like, I'm different. I mean, yes, uh, changes happen, and you go through stages of grief like you do anything else. And, I mean, I was very fortunate that, again, my, my education um, kind of has helped me ask the right questions. And, you know, when I first started losing my vision, I'm like, okay, well, do I go to blind school? And they're like, what? And I'm like, well, you know, who's going to teach me how to do all this stuff? So, yes, there, I, I call it blind school. So I was a light. <laughs> I went to the lighthouse in our county, and I was very fortunate to have a mobility teacher teach me how to use, you know, my vision cane and technology, how to use, uh, which is an awesome thing. Had I been visually impaired maybe 20 years ago, um, the technology wasn't there. And now we have magnifiers, and I mean the iPhone. Uh, my iPhone does everything for me. Um you know, magnifiers in every laptop. So when I'm at work, I just pick a laptop that somebody's not using. You put the magnifier on. I do my, you know, I do my documents. It's so no cool. big deal. It's amazing. Yeah. I just do things a little slower than other people. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, let's talk about, I think you might have some cool or interesting stories about like, so you're an athlete, mm-hmm. you're racing triathlons, you're faced mm-hmm. with the possibility that someday you may enter a new category with vision mm-hmm. impairment in mind. Yeah. Um, but you kept racing until when? Like, was there a race or a day that you went, oh boy, I'm not safe anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear this story? I don't know. I've listened to a couple podcasts with you, so maybe. I think everyone needs to hear it. All right. So, yes, I am Hawaii 70.3, 2010. And, um, yes, I we timed the shots. We did everything we were supposed to do. Um, I brought a friend with me to make sure I wasn't going to worry about driving on the big island. You know, it's not a lot of... Uh, traffic lights and you know you've been there so i um i'm in the bathroom the day before the race and um, i used to put a contact in my good eye and i went to put my contact in and i can't really see when i went to look in the mirror and that was the first time i couldn't see in the mirror um and my friend was in the other room and of course i'm screaming like hurry up come in here I'm, I'm blind and, you know, very dramatic. We're crying. I'm like, I'm blind. It happened. I, you know, you never knew. I mean, I'd always ask the doctor, like, how will I know? Where will I be? And, you know, it's a $64,000 question. So there I was. Mike's already in the transition area. I'm going to go to a meeting, you know, pre-race, day before. And I'm like, no freaking way I'm not doing this race. I have trained, I've traveled, you know, the expense. My friend is here. So I'm like all over the hotel. Where's the race director? I need to talk to a race director. And they're like, this is the day before a race. Nobody goes to the race director. I'm like, I have to see a race director. And I'm crying and, you know, it's very uh, upsetting to me. And again, my little self-centered world, everybody needs to stop and figure this out. And... (laughs) So we do find her, um, I forget her name at this point, and then Jimmy Riccatello. Uh, of course, you know, it's very good to always have a man involved because the three women, we were crying. Like, <laughs> how am I going to do this? I mean, like, and the race like, director was crying too? Yes, oh. yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm passionate. I, oh, my I, God. You know, I'm selling it. There, We have got to figure it out. You know, not like, We'll come back next year when, you know, you're a para-athlete. It's like, no, I'm here. Let's do this. How are we going to do it? um, My friend ended up having to uh, volunteer, and she could stay in the, uh, she had to work the transition area, T1, T2, all day. Oh, my gosh. So, wait, she now had to volunteer in order. (laughs) Why? Why? Because she had to be there for you? Well, the only person I could get help from were volunteers. Got it. Right? You know the rules. Yep, that's so, true. Oh, Right? So I played by the rules. Um, so basically what I did, uh, have you ever done Hawaii 70.2? I have not. It has, has a very has a very odd um, swim route. It's, you know, 1.2, but it's like on a 45-degree angle, then you go left, and you go right, re- then go around this rock. And Wait, then there's and- never complicated swim courses. That's always the easy part of every race. This one isn't. And I, you yeah, know. It's funny. Of course, the one race. Right. So, again, <laughs> you know, this is the story of my life. 
Um, and I, it, it's just a fact. We went out the day before, and my friend is trying to describe it. And, you know, let's swim to the first buoy. And I'm like, oh, God. Well, at least there'll be more people in the water. So basically, what did I do? I followed the blobs. I could hear people. Um, I believe that year, so yeah, it was 2010. It was a mass start. So I just got in there. I don't care. Um, I need to just make sure I do the swim cutoff. So, and the joke is, like, well, I didn't know if I was following people or big turtles, you know? A splash is a splash. <laughs> and and then, I, you know, I'd hear, like, the, the guys on the surfboards, and I'd say, hey, am I swimming the right way? Yeah, you're fine. Keep going. You know? So, you know, I made the swim cutoff, came into the transition area, very crowded. Uh, so, you know, everything looks the same. But my friend saw me, and she's like, okay, just, run, you know, follow me. And got to my transition area. She, she left me. I was there. Got myself together. Followed the other cyclists out. Because, you know, again, I, I memorized, like, where everything was, how to get in and out of transition. So, very crowded. Uh, got out on the bike. And, of course, you know, the advantage of no drafting is I didn't have to worry about colliding with other people. And I didn't get hurt. Nobody else got hurt. So I just kind of followed the blobs, and, and that's a pretty straightforward outback, um, come back in. And then the run course was two loops, uh, golf course, and basically I was telling people, uh, I really can't see, is that a water stop coming up? And so people just started helping me. I didn't tell them that I was, like, almost blind that day. I just said, I'm having trouble seeing today, so, you know, and then I, you know, hang out with people, you know, athletes on the run anyway. Uh, not like I was uh, winning my age group. So, yeah, I got through it. I was out there long, but I got through it. Wow. And so was it a more enjoyable way to do the race? <laughs> no. no, it was horrible. You know, it was horrible. I would most be, I think, nervous about the bike just with, I you know, the stuff in the road, like you can't right. see all the glass out on the Queen K and, you know, yeah. there's a lot of yeah. possible barriers and obstacles and it's usually really windy out there. Yeah. Now, I, re I did um, Kona 1996. I did Ironman as a lottery winner. Um, so, uh, you know, my big dream, you know, like, gosh, you know, when I really grow up and be, I, it was only my second year of triathlon that I got in the lottery. So it was like probably my 10th race. You know, and I'm on the I'm on the big island with like all these big shots, and I'm like, oh, I so don't belong here. Um, so 2010 was supposed to be that exciting year, like I'm going back to Hawaii, um, but obviously it played out a little different. Well, it was exciting in a different way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so then I had to figure out like how do people do triathlons? So I did my research. And um, I decided that in 2011, um, the first triathlon that I would do would be an Ironman. So, in Whoa. 2000, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why go uh, small? Just go right. big. See, that's just how I live, mm -hmm. you know. And, and actually, the whole Ironman thing was, I hadn't done an Ironman since, at that time, 2000 and, but no, uh, 1999. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Ironman Florida, first year. Wow. So, so I'm like, 
I, I don't need to do Iron Man's anymore. Three down. I'm done. Let's go yeah. do other things. Half Iron Man was so much fun. So, uh, 2011, Iron Man Texas was their first year. So I kind of look at the universe. Always sends me like, like almost like emails. Like here, do this. So I decided that in 2011, I'll do Iron Man Texas. And I figured out out that you get a tandem bike and a swim tether and a guide and I'm like okay I borrowed a tandem it was just you know an organization helped me and and I'd never trained on it I I just figured that oh we'll figure it out when we get there shut up and did you even know your person on the tandem yes, yes. so okay. what I picked um, again I, I live in like you do in Colorado here in St. Petersburg, your neighbors are triathletes. I mean, mm -hmm. all your friends. So I I just told a couple people, like, well, I think I'm going to need to get a guide and do this. And so somebody reached out and she was like, I'll do it with you. Oh, my god! like, gosh. okay. I have really no idea what we're doing. And this is and a big ask, like, for someone to say, yeah, I'll do yeah. an Ironman with you. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty long training day. <laughs> yeah so we never trained together oh my gosh yeah so how did you did you like get along or does it get like kind of testy out there <laughs> uh it was a very testy day um <laughs> uh, because again i mean here's two of us trying to figure out you know how to do all this we're like the day you know we flew into texas and we're both looking at this bike and we're like oh my god we don't even really fit on this. So we, we have these people like trying to help us fit the best that we could. And um, we went and rode like about a mile. And I'm like, get me the F off this bike. This is, I don't want to get on this bike till I have to. Oh my God. And she was like, okay, all right. We swam, we did a like open water swim the day before. We had never been tethered. I'm like, ah, eh, eh, we could do that. We could run next to each other. That's fine. So we just went out and did it. Um, it just wasn't my best day. Well, are you still friends? <laughs> actually, actually, we went back yet again, not knowing how sick I was. We mm. went back to Hawaii 70.3. She guided me um, going back on the big island. We were just there 2016, which right. I was so sick. Um, that was oh, June. That was her. I was, oh, wow. She guided me. Oh, so wow. uh, here we are again. I'm like, I am so sorry. I really wanted to have a good race for you. And, and we actually, I was so sick. I, uh, it, at this last Hawaii 70.3, I actually could fly into LA and I had to stay because I was so sick I couldn't fly. Wow. And we didn't know why I was that sick. I thought I had an upper respiratory infection. <laughs> wow. So I stayed. Yeah, I ended up staying. But yeah, so this, this uh, her name is Laura Cole, Laura Drake Cole. She was once a pro. You might have raced against yes, her. Yes, yep. Right? Yeah. So she's local. We were actually neighbors back in the 90s. Um, she has guided me. Um, we went and did a half marathon visually impaired championship, which I won, even being the oldest woman. Uh, so wait, I actually, they have a visually impaired championship? For in running, 
Yeah. In, in running only. Okay. In running only. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk yeah. about why they yeah, don't. Ha- what's going on yeah. with triathlon? Yeah. Well, let's tap into that. Now we're hitting <laughs> a sore tub subject because very honestly, um, I am done doing triathlon because, well, let me go back a little bit. And so my first, one of my first races, um, I went to Austin, Texas because it was nationals. Uh, for uh, paratriathlon, and it's a sprint. Well, I'm an endurance athlete. Daya doesn't like sprints. I don't move fast. I don't like anything about this short distance. So I go there, and I race, and I get disqualified. And why was that? <laughs> <laughs> because and this is no no longer um and again here we are talking about my mentorship and my leadership i was disqualified because i refused to wear what they called at the time blackout glasses mm. so you know i'm visually impaired and some people are blind so somebody thought that to make the playing field fair everybody should be blind oh weird okay Very, so um, I got disqualified. I sat on the side of the road and cried like a little baby. Um, I was horrified. Professionally, um, I was passionate about the fact that obviously I didn't take into account that I used my available vision for balance and, I, I mean, my safety. So when you remove my vision, you just remove my safety and the safety of my guide. Mm-hmm. And I, I was not going to have anything. So I got disqualified. So wait, they expect you to show up at a race and like you didn't even know they were going to throw no, this at you? No, I knew they were going to. And you just kind of said, I don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. There was another guy, um, uh, Aaron Scheides, okay. who um, mm-hmm. he and I, he's also a physical therapist. So both of us kind of took on, he took on a different platform than I did. And I did a a change.org. And I I mean, it was a topic, like it was a growing, it's growing, it's still growing. And, And I understood that, that change was inevitable, but they weren't seeing all the, the whole picture. So Aaron did it his way. I did change.org. I hit ITU. And it was an ITU rule, and USAT had to play along. Mm-hmm. Um, it has since changed. Um, I was part of the change, and I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I came back, and and I so then they what they decided to do was have two inner divisions. So, um, in paratriathlon, there are six divisions, and it went six A, six B. Blind was A, and B was vision impaired. Got it. So. I come back, 2013, and again, there weren't that many of us. So 40-some-year-old, no, 50-some-year-old Diane Barbarian shows up and wins uh, the visually impaired. Uh, So that qualified me for Worlds. I I was on the USA paratriathlon um, national team, world team, Ended up going to London. Um, no clue, really, still what I'm doing because <coughs> I'm still so new at this, and I hate I hate sprints. But I went. 
I went because I wanted everybody to see that even when you're in your 50s, you can still be doing this. You know, come on, little girls, look yeah, up. Absolutely. You know? It you know, doesn't matter. You make such a great point. It's, I guess, a good question, and, and this will play to your age today. What does it mean to be a 60-year-old woman today? Absolutely nothing. 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 Are you because limited in any way? Only if I choose to. Oh, I love that. Because think about all the things that you have been through in your life. Right. Um, and you have come swinging out the other side. Right. It's like you are, have this magic power to just turn all of these potentially negative things into positives. But here's the thing. You don't just, it doesn't happen immediately. Like you've mentioned numerous times, right. I was crying like a baby on the side of the road. Like you right. seem to also, and you're able to respect it, the the situation enough to give it its little bit of mourning. You know, right. <laughs> maybe that's yeah. your magic switch. You let it maybe. out. And, and you know, another thing, and you're right. And I listened to your last podcast and uh, when you went to Costa Rica, now mm-hmm. I want to surf. Oh my gosh! We next year. You oh gosh! You will love it because that's so much about feel. You'll be better than a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. But the big thing is that you just hit on in your podcast is all about you know I I haven't gotten through all these years uh, uh, by doing it alone, and it's a village, and you know. This constant, you know, through the years of recreating myself has all been with the help of, you know, a tribe, a village, whether it's my family, my running friends, my my coworkers, you know, we're all in this together. And, you know, change is inevitable, whether, again, it's vision or age. And, you know, it's, it's a cycle and it goes up and down, up and down. And it's how you choose to come, you know, yeah. through it. And I I always say, I I just have a little, I've gone through with a lot of zigs and zags and curves. And I I just keep, I I have a curve. That's all. That's how I keep looking at it. So the whole whole idea of Diane 6.0 is that this is just another new version of me. Um, Like you said, 4.0, 5.0. So, you know, some of the other things that, you know, I'm looking at, how am I going to live this next decade differently? Um, so I'm starting to do different certifications now because I might be to a point eventually where I do less hands-on patient care um, for their safety, for my safety. But I'm still knowledgeable. So again, how do I keep doing this? I just look at things differently, you know. Um, but I just keep moving Uh but the other thing that I always joke around about is, as a child, uh, my favorite movie was The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. I like that. And and so my big race is I wear these red running shoes. Have you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Oh, gosh, yeah. It's on all the time. I have a six-year-old. Right. So <laughs> I love it. The red shoes. I've had the power all along. Yes. Absolutely. Everybody, you know what I mean? Everybody has the power. It's whether you tap your heels together or not. It's your choice. Wow. That I choose so... the red shoes. Yeah. 
Wow, I absolutely, that is so strong. Okay, we're going to make a little meme of you. Okay. Tapping <laughs> your little red running shoes together. Do it. Awesome. Killing yeah. it out there with whatever you want to do. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I just, what I hear from you is passion. All the yes, way I through. Yes, I am passionate. Lots of I passion. I don't do anything. Yeah, I won't do it if I'm not passionate. I mean, I wake up in the morning, my eyes open, one I thank God, I'm like, whoop, gave me another day, all right, let's make something of it. Okay. But I, I've always been that person. I get up in the morning, I'm like, what am I going to do with today? I'm going to make it good. Do I have bad days? Yes. But I can always find the good in them. I'm, I, that's like my thing. I will, I will make it good. I've learned something, so that's got to be a good day. Wow. Um, we, I think we should hit back on the subject we started talking yeah. about at the beginning, which is how did you survive cancer at stage four? I mean, we kind of glossed over it. Like, yeah, I just had a whole bunch of treatments and now I'm fine. <laughs> like, is it, is it partly attitude or is it a hundred percent science? I think a lot of it was my attitude. Wow. Um, I, I, I definitely think. Because, you know, I, I didn't use a lot of pain medication. Um, I didn't when I was in pain before the treatment. Um, but I, I, I definitely give a lot of credit to um, bringing a healthy body, even though I had cancer. I, I forget what the statistic is. You know, 40% of the population will end up with cancer. Uh, some of it could have been prevented. Uh, I don't know that I could have prevented this, you know. Uh, I, I live a healthy lifestyle, and I still got cancer. So, but with that said, the healthy body was better able to fight and handle the treatment much better than my peers might have. I never missed a you know, you know I never missed a chemo treatment because I, I wasn't sick. I never got sick during treatment. Wow, I wonder why that was the case. I mean, That's incredible. I had some episodes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, because mine was throat, um, eventually I couldn't, I, I could hardly speak. Um, it was very raw, uh, from having chemo, well, from radiation, actually, you know, if you could imagine just that one centered area getting doused with, um, it was amazing. Uh, that's all I could say. I mean, just, I, I would, it was a seven-minute treatment five days a week, and it was very intense in this area of my neck. Mm -hmm. And I would lay there, and I got it down to seven minutes, and there was an overhead uh, elevator music. Fortunately, unfortunately, it was during Christmas, and I'm like, oh, God, I never want to hear Christmas music again. That's horrible. <laughs> but then I got it down to... It only th it's only three songs, Diane. Just remember, it's three songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's all. And then it was, we would count down. It's only 35 minutes this week. You know, we, I would just keep counting down. And so I do think that uh, approaching it that way, being healthy, um, I was tube fed, um, which was kind of interesting uh, to be fed in, out of a tube. So, again, I could not have gone seven weeks doing this alone. Um, I am single. I, I live alone. I'm kind of very independent, like my alone time. 
And here was my lesson in life. Um, I had people at my house all the time. I'm like, oh, there's somebody in the other room, like, tonight. And people were staying with me, and people were taking me to my appointments. We had a website that one of my friends put together, and people would sign up which hours to help me. I mean, I, I did a, an, a picture album of, I can't tell you how many people had to help me for seven weeks. It goes exactly back to what you said. It's it's a village. It's and, a village. And it's your attitude and it's yeah. your outlook on life and your strength yeah. of body too. All of yeah. that. Yeah, and people wanted to help me. Yeah, I mean, there were times we were like, oh, I don't need all four of you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how many people are that fortunate? And I, and I really was. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a great nephew come and help me. Two of my nieces, my sister flew in from California twice. Wow. Um, so, you know, out of seven weeks, I don't remember. Uh, and again, I, I, I did have chemo brain for a while. There were things, you know, we talk about now, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. Um, but I took pictures of, of my doctors, of everybody who helped me. I have a whole album of, of people. I did Facebook videos every week. Um, as I lost hair, lost my voice, lost weight, um, cried. Sometimes I was bitchy. Sometimes I was real happy. Um, but I, yeah, I shared the whole journey. Wow. And so people can find that on your Facebook page? Yeah, on my personal page. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to check that out. Diane yeah. Barbarian, the Iron yeah. Maven. I love it. That's a separate page. Mm. And you know, the Iron Maven came, that, that was kind of a thing that, uh, my, my goal was never, I, I don't like doing the same courses twice. So that's why the maven, um, there's a term, I don't know where I found it, but a maven is somebody who, you know, kind of breaks ground. And so I, I've been known for like my five Ironmans or five different courses, most of my marathons, all long, all long, all my endurance events are all, I never, I rarely repeat. Mm -hmm. the course I don't want to compare I want each to have its own story you know I so, love that yeah well, I have to say we have we're almost at an hour here and awesome. um I am just so grateful that you are who you are and you've been able to navigate all of these point one point oh's of your life right yeah yeah <laughs> And uh, as you enter into the 6.0 here and you're a new version of yourself yeah. you know I ask uh every guest who comes on the podcast to end us with one final nugget that helps our listeners run their worlds in a bigger and better way. So what would okay. yours be? Well, you know, I'm ready because I listened to one of your podcasts. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> so as again, my reference always to having had the power. So here's, I always have this little piece of paper and it says your, your crown has been bought and paid for. You just have to wear it. Oh, I love that. You just have to wear it. And wear it proudly and own it. A absolutely. You yeah. know, my, my last day of treatment, I went to um, my last treatment in a Wonder Woman. I had I had uh, cuffs and a Wonder Woman cape. And no I walked way. in. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Oh, my god. And gosh. my red shoes. Yeah. You are real life Wonder Woman. You were wearing the crown so. that day, sister. I'm wearing the crown. I wear it every day. 
Awesome. Sometimes it's a little tilted, but I wear it. I think I'm going to have to um, encourage everybody to go out and get a crown and post a picture of oh, it when they listen absolutely. to this podcast. Let's yeah, do let's it. do it. Yeah, cool. has to well, be listened to while you're wearing your crown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for all the time. It's been such a pleasure. I can't thank wait you. to get Diane 7.0 on the show. Let's do it. I know. You know what? Real quick, I remember thinking, well, you know, back in the day, like the first time I met Madonna Booter. And I'm like, you know, who doesn't look at Madonna Booter and go, wow, I hope I'm still racing when I'm old. And now I'm the old one. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> It's me now. Yeah. Now, yeah. Like the para, you know, the young paratriathletes, I hope that they're looking at me going, oh, I hope I'm still like her, you know? They are, so, believe me. They I are. I hope so. And shame on them if they're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so Thank much. You. And we will catch up with you again soon. Yeah, I'll see you in Costa Rica next year. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you. Bye. So what do you think? Do you want to be as badass as Diane someday? I know I do. All right, here's my take. Number one, be positive. This is a decision. Your attitude is within your control. You can choose to be positive. Diane is a positive person. Like she said, she has bad days, but she sees the world in an open way full of possibility. Number two, go after the things you want. As she says, you gotta want it. If you want it, make it happen. And number three, her final nugget, your crown has been bought and paid for, you just have to wear it. Woo, I love her. Well, I hope you gained some new perspective and inspiration from listening to our amazing guest today. Uh, before I go, though, I want to remind you that my podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, a life insurance agency that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. So go to healthiq.com backslash RTW to support the show and to see if you qualify. <laughs> okay, don't forget to mention RTW if you talk to them so they know I sent you. All right, everyone, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.